Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. Our guest today is Joe Sandberg, and he is the co-founder of Aspiration. It's a brand new banking option, both for commercial and for individuals. And I'm really excited to talk with him. Aspiration is offering a whole new way for us to put our money where our values is. And I couldn't be more thrilled to have Joe on the show. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Joe. We are so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. So, Joe, I just want to start by having you explain to us what the mission of Aspiration is. What are you working to accomplish? Aspiration is to help defeat the climate catastrophe that we're facing. To defeat the climate catastrophe, we have to get everyone involved, which means we have to help people be part of this movement in ways that are easy, convenient, and automated to their already busy lives. Sometimes those of us who are hardcore environmentalists forget the fact that most people are just trying to make it to the next day, make enough money to feed their families and and afford rent. And so if we want to engage the many in the mission to defeat the climate catastrophe, we have to deliver ways that meet people where they're at. And aspiration delivers people the financial products they have to have to get through a modern economy like credit cards and debit cards, checking accounts, investment products, and insurance products in ways that meet their basic financial needs and also embed in them automated climate action. So that, for example, every time you use your aspiration card to buy groceries, um, you're planting a tree with every card swipe. And there is an embedded aspiration impact measurement in your card so that you can see how the places where you spend money treat their workers and the environment. And you can easily, with the Aspiration app, compare and contrast the merchants that you might patronize to see which are doing the best by people and planet. Those are examples of how we're embedding positive climate action into the everyday financial products that you have to use anyway. That is so revolutionary. And I want to let our listeners know that it's so easy to check out Aspiration. All you do is go to aspiration.com. So if you want to open a new tab in your web browser and take a look at their website while we're talking with their co-founder, Joe Sandberg, please do that. Um, You're going to be able to walk through some of the things that we're going to be talking about today. Joe, I want to back up just a smidge. Um, Let's do a little banking 101 lesson. When we deposit money in a bank, how do they use that money to make more money? And for eco-conscious consumers like all of us, why might this practice violate our values? I'm so glad you asked. Imagine you deposit your paycheck through direct deposit at whatever big bank that you happen to uh, be using. And that bank is paying you maybe 0.1% interest on the money that you're giving them. Then they're taking the money you've given them that they pay you 0.1% interest on, and they lend your money out to big companies for 6 or 7% interest that they get back. So those banks make the difference between the 6 or 7 sometimes more interest rates that they charge their borrowers, who are these big companies, and the 
very, very tiny amount of interest that they pay you. Here's where it gets bad for the environment. Among those big companies that the banks take your money and lend to are the big oil and gas companies that are exploring for fossil fuel, refining fossil fuel, and causing the climate catastrophe. And so the uncomfortable fact is that if you're depositing your payroll or any other money at one of the big banks, your money is being used to fund the companies that cause climate catastrophe. And that's why it matters so much that you take your money out of those big banks and stop depositing your payroll at those big banks and instead deposit it with a place like Aspiration that will never allow your money to be lent to fossil fuel companies. That That is a jagged pill to swallow because a lot of us don't even realize that that's going on. So talk to us about what Aspiration does with the money people deposit in their accounts that's so different from the big banks. Well, first and foremost, your deposits with Aspiration are never allowed to be lent to fossil fuel companies. And then your money is lent to the community needs that banks exist and should be funding that we see, you know, in old movies that are the good mainstream banks, the mortgages that people need to buy homes, the small loans that need that people need to buy cars and, and start businesses, those everyday mainstream Main Street activities that are supposed to be the bread and butter of banks as we understood them from the old movies, but unfortunately have become abandoned too often by Wall Street banks that instead use money to fund fossil fuel companies or other enormous companies that aren't funding the basic needs of society. Right. And and what are some of the things that you're looking for when when Aspiration is looking for things to invest in? What are some of the alternatives that that Aspiration can do with the money that we deposit? Give us a few more examples. Well, it's about shifting resources away from the destructive excesses of the exploitation economy and toward the productive necessities of the Main Street economy, like buying homes and starting small businesses and buying cars and taking vacations and you know, funding your kids' education. Those things have all become more expensive in part because they've been starved of money as money has been directed to the exploitation economy, which is really headlined by the fossil fuel industry. Gotcha. You know, one of the things as I was researching, you know, for the show and looking at Aspirations website, one of the things I was so delighted to find is how many different banking products you have. And I'd like to talk about spending first. When your customers spend money using their Aspiration banking card, what are some of the benefits that they'll enjoy? Well, first of all, every time you swipe your Aspiration card, Aspiration plants a tree. Aspiration is running one of the largest reforestation programs in the world in South America and Africa. And those programs are both planting trees that suck carbon out of the atmosphere and producing a lot of great human co-benefits. For every 1 million trees that Aspiration plants, we create 10,000 workday equivalents for people in emerging economies that are lifting them out of poverty. Second of all, every time you use your Aspiration card, you can see how the places where you spend money treat their workers and the environment. In the impact tab, 
mapping your aspiration app through what we call the aspiration impact measurements. And then, um, you know, you can also earn cash back rewards as you plant more trees. You know, aspirations reward program is around making you do better financially as you do more good in the world. So the more trees you plant by using your aspiration card more often, the more cash back that aspiration pays you. That is ingenious. I mean, I just, I'm astounded at at this new opportunity. I, I just think it's so well thought out and so exciting, this new opportunity for people like us, the people who are gathered here today around Go Green Radio to figure out all the different ways that we can make a difference in something that seems so huge. Climate change seems so huge. What can we do as individuals? And you're giving us an opportunity to do something really impactful, really meaningful. Now, I want to talk about aspiration uh, customers who open a savings account. What are some of the benefits they'll enjoy? Well, first and foremost, if you're part of Aspiration Plus, which is the Aspiration uh, Premium card, you get up to 5% cash back on your savings for the first $10,000 you have at Aspiration. And so at a moment in time where you're hard-pressed to find any interest income whatsoever, an aspiration, your deposits will both take money out of banks that are funding climate catastrophe and into aspiration and then also paying you a lot better, which is 5% on the first $10,000 you have. That's huge. And and I'll tell you, I mean, you know, I, I've shopped around and, and there was a time when you could get a decent amount of interest on your savings accounts and other, you know, kinds of products like CDs and everything. And right now that's just not possible. And so for you guys to offer that is really a big deal. You know, Joe, I know that you've thought through this exceptionally hard and that's why I'm excited to ask the question, you know, with personal and commercial banking, trust is a must. Talk to us about aspirations, security measures. Well, first of all, your deposits are FDIC insured up to $2.5 million. And the reason that Aspiration can provide $2.5 million of FDIC insurance is that we take your deposits and custody them at different partner banks so that you can receive the $250,000 of FDIC insurance that you can get at one particular bank multiplied by 10 without having to go to 10 different banks. That's one of the advantages of aspiration structure that we can provide. We also have military-grade technology security and information security. And then you also have the moral security of knowing that I and my co-founder have been in the climate fight for 25 years. I've served on the board of the Sierra Club Foundation, and I've written extensively about the moral urgency for a Green New Deal and big, bold government action to fight climate catastrophe. And my co-founder, Andre Turney, has been working in the climate fight going back to the 90s when he was a senior advisor to then Vice President Al Gore. So you're, you're joining a company in aspiration that lives its values and has lived these values decades before the company was even founded. I think that's so important. And I think that you know people are really interested in knowing who's behind a company. And that's why I'm so thrilled that we have you on today, Joe, because it helps people you know, feel like they're putting their money with a friend 
with a colleague, with somebody who shares their values. And I think that's so important. I want to make sure that all of our listeners know that it is so easy to get started with Aspiration. If you go to aspiration.com, Right there, there's a big orange button that says get started. And you can check out just how easy it is to open an account to get involved in this. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have so much more with Joe Sandberg. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in. And if you're just joining us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Joe Sandberg. He's the co-founder of Aspiration. This is a brand new banking option for all of us who want to put our money where our values are. And we're talking about the different benefits and some of the ways that Aspiration does business that's quite different than the big banks. If you want to check out their website, it's super easy. Just go to aspiration.com and you can check out all of the variety of, of banking options and account options that they have. But you know, one of the things that everybody wants to know about, Joe, especially those of us who are kind of paycheck to paycheck, is what about the banking fees? Talk to us about Aspiration's fee structure. Aspiration's fee structure is called pay what's fair, which means the only fees you pay are the fees that you think are fair to pay. 
And the objective is this. We want to have a trust-based relationship with our customers. And I believe that if you want to be trusted, first you have to give trust. And the best way for a company to give trust is to make itself vulnerable to its customers. And we do that by saying to you, we'll serve you no matter what, even if you don't pay us. And we hope we make you happy enough that you'll choose to pay us. That is so disruptive and beautifully innovative. I mean, I think that that's one of the things that really struck me when I got out on your website was just how open aspiration is to everyone. And I think that that is something that's really attractive about what you're offering. Um, One of the things that I enjoy with some of the cards that I have is uh, purchase protection and rewards programs. You touched on the rewards programs a little bit in the last segment, but talk to us more about purchase protection and your rewards programs. Well, we have purchase protection that you'd expect from all the you know, prevailing credit and debit cards out there. So you're protected against fraud um, across the board, both online and physically. And, you know, our rewards program is built around trees. And the more trees you plant, which means the more swipes you do of your aspiration card digitally or physically, the more cash back we pay you. And there's different reward levels based on um, how many trees you've planted. Um, you know, when you plant 5,000 trees, you get a $200 cash reward and then all the way down to, you know, when you plant your first 10 trees. That is fantastic. And, and I think one of the things that makes this so attractive is it's so tangible. Um, you know, you can get on the website, you can look at um, what's going on with your money. You can look at the good work that's being done in terms of planting trees. Now, Joe, how much money do you need to start an account with Aspiration? Um, is this, you know, is this really open to everybody? It is. You just need ten dollars to open an account. We recommend that you start your account though by connecting your payroll direct deposit to automatically go to your Aspiration account, and that's just the most convenient way to get started. But um, you can start with as little as ten bucks. Even college kids, my own college kids could do that. I mean, that's that's really cool, Joe. I, I'm interested in what some of your investors are saying. What are what are your investors saying about aspiration that we should know? Well, I think they're happy. Um, you know, the business is doing well, but this company is for our customers in the world, um, and our investors are going to do best when we deliver for our customers. So. First comes customers, and then when we do right by our customers, our investors do great as a consequence. Mm-hmm. So I'm most concerned with how our customers feel. What are they saying? What are your customers saying about aspiration? We're growing very fast, so I think they're happy. Um, and I think we're delivering on a, a need that people didn't even know could be fulfilled, which is being able to do your everyday financial activities in ways that are both aligned with your values and that project your values into the world. So true. So true. And I, I want to shift gears just a little bit because there's so much more to Joe Sandberg <laughs> than just being the co-founder of Aspiration. And as you mentioned in the last segment, you've been working on some advocacy issues for a long time that I think will really matter to our listeners and something they'll really want to get to know. Um, you have your own website, www.joesandberg.com. And that website really demonstrates your commitment to anti-poverty programs, in addition to several other things. I'd love for you to talk to us, take some time 
and talk to us about your work in the anti-poverty movement and why it's so important to you. Well, it's personal to me. I grew up facing a lot of financial uncertainty. My mom raised me by herself, and we lost our home to foreclosure when I was a teenager. I think the governing agenda of our nation ought to be to end poverty. And I don't mean just poverty as it's experienced by those who are experiencing homelessness. I mean the generalized poverty that characterizes the eight out of 10 Americans who live paycheck to paycheck. I think we need to expand the definition of poverty to understand that if you lack financial security, if you wake up in the middle of the night unsure how you're going to pay for your kid's doctor's bill, that's not middle class. Mm -hmm. That's poor. And eight out of 10 people who live paycheck to paycheck are experiencing that financial cloud that hangs over there every day and night. It does not have to be that way. Poverty is not a natural state of affairs. It is the product of bad policy choices that our political elected officials have made over a long period of time and that we have enabled with our votes. We have all the resources that are necessary to end poverty, to afford financial security to every American, and still for there to be plenty of people who are extremely prosperous and wealthy. We just have chosen not to implement the public policies that can make that so. Public policies that make work pay better and make life's basic needs more affordable. Making work pay better means a minimum wage that's a living wage instead of the piss poor living wage, minimum wage at the federal level of just $7.25, where it's been stuck at the federal level for 13 years now. Nobody can live on $7.25 an hour. And even though two out of three Americans want a federal minimum wage that's 15 bucks an hour, our Congress and president haven't been able to move it because our political system, Jill, is corrupt. And we need to call it what it is. It's corrupt because our current political regime produces outcomes tied to who has the most money. And so if you want outcomes in Washington, D.C., you pay lobbyists who buy politicians to get you those outcomes. We no longer have a political system where it's one person, one vote. We have a political system where it's one dollar, one vote. And until we root out that corruption, our political system is going to produce results that create widespread poverty and financial turmoil, as well as environmental policies that advantage, even in a Democratic administration, too much the big oil and gas companies and not enough our common interest in defeating climate catastrophe and ensuring our planet is inhabitable for our species in the centuries and millennia to come. But make no mistake, it all emanates from the rot political corruption in our current system where one dollar instead of one person equals one vote. I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who would disagree with you, Joe. Um, and I think that our corruption has never been on more, uh, more display than it is right now. And I guess the question is, what can we do about it? I think we've been languishing for too long in this idea that, you know, if we just turn out the vote, that's enough, or that that's going to make the difference. What are some of the ways that you think everyday people 
can impact the political corruption that you so aptly described? It's not enough to vote. We have to vote for anti-corruption candidates who are going to stand up to corruption in all corners of the political system. And that means it's not enough just to vote for Democrats. We have to vote for better Democrats whose fidelity isn't going to be to any political party, but to American democracy. Mm -hmm. Well said. And, you know, I know that you've made the case for a $25 minimum wage. Share that case with our listeners, if you would, please. Well, Jill, the case for a $25 minimum wage isn't a matter of opinion. It's simply a matter of math. If the minimum wage had increased at the rate of productivity since 1960, and productivity is a basic measure of how much prosperity an economy produces per person. If the minimum wage had increased at the rate of productivity since 1960, it would be about $25 today. So I am not sharing an opinion that it should be $25. I'm simply saying that the minimum wage should be what it would have been if it simply kept up with the rate of productivity growth. But you know what's exceeded the rate of productivity growth? What? CEO pay. Mm. And the reason that the minimum wage is $7.25 at the federal level and not 25 bucks is that $16 and, um, excuse me, $17 and 75 cent gap, that has gone to CEOs. And those CEOs, they can afford to make $17.75 less per hour. They will still be plenty rich. But the difference for the tens of millions of people who will make $17.75 more per hour is the difference between whether they can provide three or two meals a day for their kids and whether or not they can afford their rent and stay away from experiencing homelessness. You know, it's so interesting, Joe, because, you know, at the root of so many of our problems in this country right now is, is poverty. And, and as you point out, in so many ways, it's a policy choice. It's not just the natural evolution of things. Um, and, and it's interesting because it's causing increased chaos and disruption and malcontent. And you have to ask yourself what road we're heading down when we have a society where increasingly you have a burgeoning population of people with nothing to lose. And, and yet there are those who are capitalizing politically from that very chaos. And I think that that's a really dangerous place for us to be interested in your thoughts. Well, what you described is both the United States of 2022 and Germany of the 1930s. Every time in human history, the inequality gets as out of whack as it is in the United States right now, we end up with one of two outcomes, a progressive political leadership that redistributes resources to eliminate abject poverty or fascism. Mm -hmm. And so that same outcome for us is the set of choices we face here. And we know the forces that are pushing fascism. And unfortunately, we don't yet have the FDR-like response that's necessary to stave that off. Mm -hmm. FDR knew that to avoid fascism here in the United States, 
we had to provide for people's basic needs. And the premise of the New Deal was both the moral charge to provide for Americans, the economic rationale to restart the economy, and the political strategy of making sure that fascism wouldn't take hold in the United States. And we can't take for granted the democracy we have here. It's only because of courage and choices over a long period of time. And if we don't continue to make courageous choices, the future and our democracy are not certain. Mm -hmm. I I so agree with you, Joe. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we've got so much more to talk about with Joe Sandberg. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Silvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. Our guest today is Joe Sandberg. He's the co-founder of Aspiration. It's a brand new bank option for us. Who All of us who want to put our money where our values are, you can check out their website at aspiration.com. It's also important, I think, to get to know the people behind this uh, new banking option. And we're getting to know Joe um, and some of his really 
hard work on advocacy issues that I think we all care deeply about. He has a website, joesandberg.com, and, and it's really great to get to know you, Joe, and thanks for opening up to us. You have a position on your website that covers taxing the ultra-wealthy, and for a lot of people, that's just sort of an abstract. So talk to us about the particulars of your position on that. I'm glad you asked because you're right. It's abstract for a lot of people because most people don't understand just how enormous is the wealth possessed by a certain number of Americans. And as a result, we have a conversation around taxes that frankly ends up overtaxing people who are you know, privileged but have perhaps wealth that we're used to seeing every day. You know, people are making $500,000 a year. And under taxes, this extraordinarily extreme wealth of people who have billions and billions of dollars. I believe, actually, that we should cut taxes for people who are making a hundred or two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars. Of course, people who are making a couple hundred thousand dollars are doing a lot better than people who are making twenty-five thousand dollars. But here's the reality: there are these people who are making half a billion dollars or $100 million or $50 million that are paying the same tax rate as people who are making $500,000. And, you know, someone who's making $500,000 is a hell of a lot closer in income to someone who's making 50000 than to someone who's making $50 million. But we're so unfamiliar with those huge numbers that we don't embrace it. It's so abstract. And so my proposal is that we should be introducing a tax on extreme wealth, on the wealth that's like nation-state wealth, on the wealth of people who are flying around in 747 jumbo jets. And as a result of that, we should be able to reduce taxes on people who are earning 25, 40, 50,000. And frankly, also people who are earning a couple hundred thousand dollars a year who are paying too much in taxes relative to the taxes that these extremely wealthy people are paying. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm not sure why that isn't already the case, unless it just simply goes back to one dollar, one vote, <laughs> as you mentioned in a previous segment. Um, it seems That's to make exactly perfect why sense. we don't yeah. have that. It's because of <laughs> corruption and the billionaires pay lobbyists to make sure that this very commonsensical tax reform doesn't actually occur. Mm hmm. I noticed on your website, Joe, that you're also very passionate about delivering Medicare for all. And, you know, not every American understands what it would take um, to deliver up something like that. So tell us more about your ideas and the solutions that you bring to the table. Well, Medicare for all is actually really simple and really economical. And I'd ask listeners to remember two numbers, 2% and 20%. 2% is the amount of money of the total that Medicare spends on administrative costs. 20% is the amount of the total that private health insurance companies spend on administrative costs. Medicare is one of the greatest organizational success stories in human history. Medicare is beloved by our elder family members Medicare is good for everyone. And so I'm simply saying, let's make Medicare available to everyone, not just senior citizens, because it's more cost effective 
and then it'll get it where inequality is really the most immoral. You know, it's one thing if someone drives a fancy car and someone else needs to take the bus, but it's a whole nother thing if someone gets to live longer because they have more money. It's another thing if people are dying because they are too poor to live. And in this country, our healthcare system is producing really miserable outcomes. Life expectancy among all but the top 1% of income Americans is declining. Think about that, Jill. Mm -hmm. In 2022, with all of our technology, people's lifespans are shrinking. We're told this narrative that, well, we have this great healthcare system, but actually, by any reasonable measure, the outcomes of our healthcare system are pathetic. And I don't know what outcome is more important than how long people are living. Here in the most powerful, wealthy country in the history of the world, the average age of Americans is shrinking. That is a damn shame and a condemnation of the ineffectiveness of our healthcare system. And I don't want to live in a society where people die because they don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. But that's the country we're living in right now. And and what do you say to folks who offer other solutions that, you know, that somehow private health care, if there's, you know, the right reform in place, could provide a better solution than Medicare? Um, you know, we, we've been having this debate for decades in the U.S., what do you think are the biggest barriers or the, the hardest arguments to overcome when it comes to the solutions that you're offering? The hardest argument to overcome is corruption. The United States is the only major economy in the world that doesn't have single-payer health insurance. Let's unpack that. In other major economies, there are also conservative parties, but in all of those other places, the conservative parties also support single-payer health insurance. So what's odd about our country is that our conservative party, the Republican Party, is the only conservative party of any of the major conservative parties in all of the major economies in the world that doesn't support single-payer health insurance. And why is that? Because our economy is the only one where there is this nexus between corporations, money, and politics. Health insurance companies buy outcomes in Washington, D.C. Now, here's why I'm actually pretty optimistic about eventually getting to a single-payer system in the United States and Medicare for All. The only industry that doesn't want Medicare for All is the health insurance industry. When you talk to really rich people and really poor people and middle-income people, and CEOs of any company except companies that are in the health insurance industry, they all agree that single-payer health insurance would be better. Because unless you're a health insurance company, it's really miserable to have to administer health insurance. People don't start businesses with the ambition of being in the health insurance administration business. But if you're a business person in America right now, you have to spend a lot of time and a lot of money administering health insurance to your team. If we have a single-payer system, then instead of having to spend all that time administering health insurance, you would simply pay money to the government for everyone to have the single-payer system. And so while the health insurance lobby is powerful, I believe with 
effective organizing, we can rally actually a pretty broad coalition everywhere from low-income people to really rich people and CEOs of every industry except the health insurance industry to fight for a single-payer system that everyone would prefer except the health insurance companies. Well, you know, your views are very timely because just this week in California, we saw legislation that would have created a single-payer program defeated. Um, And I think the authors of that bill are still optimistic that they'll get another whack at it. But, um, you know, that just happened this week. Um, And so, you know, it's it's a long road to hoe. Um, But but I agree with proper organizing, this could be done. Um, I want to shift. Well, you know, the biggest donor of money is to Sacramento is Blue Shield. Really? Oh, wow. That's interesting. I did not know that, Joe, and I follow Sacramento quite closely. So uh, that's a that's a good nugget of information for us to know. We have a lot of students who listen to Go Green Radio, and I'd love for you to have a chance to share your thoughts on canceling student debt. I think we should cancel it all. People were lied to into taking on student debt under the proposition that if you borrowed to go to college, a better life with better income would be awaiting. And that was a lie. And the people who told those lies knew it was a lie because they were the same people that were offshoring good paying American jobs around the world and hollowing out the American middle class. At the same time, they were telling people to take on debt, to go to college, to get better paying jobs that didn't actually exist. So people were defrauded into taking on this debt, and therefore, it is only right and logical that that debt should be canceled. What's more is if we canceled student debt, we would unleash an economic boom unlike anything seen in the history of this country, or certainly not since the post-World War II boom. Because when we relieve the burden of trillion dollars of student debt off the shoulders of 35 million people, Imagine being someone who now longer, no longer owes $50,000 in student debt. You're now someone who can buy a home or start a business or move somewhere to start a family. And so instead of having people earning their hard work money to pay off student debt, let's have them spend that money on things that are productive and create jobs. When instead of spending money to repay student debt, you pay to buy a home there are jobs that are created in the construction of that home. When instead of paying student debt, you pay that money to buy a car, there are jobs that are created in the manufacturing of that car. There are no jobs that are created when you send money to pay off your student debt. And so beyond the moral consideration, this is just smart economics. Interesting. And I think that's gonna resonate with a lot of our listeners. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have more with Joe Sandberg. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all be with us. We're having a great time getting to know Joe Sandberg, the co-founder of Aspiration, which is a brand new banking option. You got to check it out at aspiration.com. It gives you a chance to really put your money where your values are, particularly if you are concerned about climate change and making sure that your money is not used to help fund companies that are causing climate change. So it's really great getting to know you, Joe. And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on passing a Green New Deal. First, we have to do it. We have to reorganize our economy to make a transition to renewable energy and a net zero carbon economy a priority. And in the process, we can create millions of great paying jobs, but it's going to take big, bold political action. And frankly, we have to elect a lot of different and new people to Congress and to the presidency if we want to see it happen. We're not going to get it done with this Congress and this president. So what are the some of the the main points in the Green New Deal that you find most urgent, most impactful. Um, You know, it's very rare, uh, even with Obamacare, you know, that the whole proposal gets passed at once. If we had to pick and choose, you know, some of the top tier items in in the Green New Deal, what would you advocate for? A massive investment in public transportation that rivals the um, mobilization of our economy for World War II so that people can get off the fossil fuel car and get on um, electrified uh, public transportation. Second, we need to electrify the grid. Third, we need to make um, exploration and usage of fossil fuel prohibitively expensive while subsidizing the needs of low-income people because we cannot... We cannot move the market away from fossil fuel on the backs of low-income people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because here in California, there's, you know, burgeoning legislation, even at the local level, in many of our city's climate action plans to move towards um, electrification of homes, of businesses, um, to to retrofit, um, you know, a, a variety of um, appliances to 
electricity versus natural gas. And I'm curious your thoughts about California's move in that direction. And if you think that uh, the state might be the tail that wags the dog uh, when it comes to making this a more federal push. Well, I think California can lead. I think there are other areas where California can also lead. We shouldn't be phasing out uh, the approval of fracking. We should eliminate it right now. We shouldn't uh, be approving any incremental oil and gas drilling in California. In fact, we, could, we should shut it all down. We need a radical climate agenda in California. If it's not going to happen in California first, it's not going to happen anywhere. Mm. California and our voters are ready for radical climate action, and we need to elect politicians who are going to deliver action on that order of magnitude. I couldn't disagree with that. That's for sure. You know, Joe, I want you to know that you're speaking to a wide variety of listeners. We have people from all over the world who listen. We have people um, in many different generations who are listening, but many of our listeners are young adults who care deeply about the planet and they don't just tune in to Go Green Radio to learn about sustainability. They're also looking for inspiration and hope. And many of them were raised by single parents who struggled to make ends meet, much like your own upbringing. How did you overcome the financial hardships of your childhood to become this powerhouse advocate and business person that you are today? Give our young listeners some pointers. Determination, a sense of moral purpose. For me personally, my faith in God is crucial to centering my understanding of the world and and how we fit into something that's so much bigger than any one individual, knowing what I want to accomplish and also being willing to make sacrifices of the things that aren't priorities. Uh, I've sacrificed a lot in my life. Um, by no means am I, I saying I haven't had a ton of privilege I have. I've had so much luck and privilege in my life. Um, being born you know, uh, with white skin in America comes a ton of racial privilege that shouldn't exist, but does exist. And I'm mindful of the responsibility I have to use that white privilege to correct injustices in our system. Even with those privileges, um, though, uh, there are constant trade-offs that I think we have to confront if we want to achieve big things in our life. Um, you know, there's no such thing as having it all is the reality. Um, you know, I give up a lot on uh, leisure time and, and, and social mm -hmm. time, and invest that time into the activism and, and work I do both inside and outside of aspiration because I believe so much in it. And because it comes from a sense of purpose and mission, I gain a lot of joy and satisfaction from it. But, but make no mistake, um, you know, I'm definitely not, uh, you know, living what would one would call a balanced life with a lot of recreation and fun. It's, it's very focused on the sense of purpose and mission. I love that. And I think that that's an important message to get out there. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on the state of American democracy right now? And how important is a well-functioning democracy to achieving the solutions for which you advocate? I'm uncertain about the state of American democracy, which is actually a hopeful point of view, because in being uncertain, I believe that it can go many directions, including great ones. This can be a moment of democratic renewal if we so choose for it to be. We need political revolution, 
peaceful revolution, but revolution nonetheless. We don't have time or luxury for incremental change. And we need to be courageous in breaking out of the old ways of thinking and the comforts of old structures that have demonstrably failed. And the same powers that be who led us into two failed wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, who told us that house prices would never fall and led us straight into the great financial crisis, who have told us so many other big lies, like we can't afford all of these things, like helping poor people and providing health insurance and fighting the climate catastrophe. Well, they spend trillions of dollars on bailing out big corporations. Those same people who are the establishments in politics of both parties, in the economy, in media, are not going to be where we find our answers to deliver this renewal of democracy that I believe can be within our reach. So we have to look to the answers that are commonsensical to all of us, though maybe not to the politicians, and different kinds of leaders from different backgrounds. If we do that, I believe that we can make this a moment of democratic renewal. That's inspiring. And and I think at a time when we're all kind of spiraling and we're all kind of um, feeling a little bit helpless and small, um, that's those are important words of, of encouragement. You know, we started this interview talking about aspiration and, and folks can go to aspiration.com. One of the many ways that we have a chance to influence our future is in the way that our money is spent and invested. And we've had a, a unique opportunity to get to know the co-founder of Aspiration, know what he's about, know what he cares about. And I think that that's been really great. You know, we just have about another minute left, Joe. And so for that final uh, moment that we have left in the show, what parting thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners? Don't ever, 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 ever give up. The opposing forces to democracy are counting on wearing us down and getting us to give up. So we can't. Simple and yet so profound. Joe, I thank you so much for being with us today. I encourage all of our listeners to check out two websites, aspiration.com and joesandberg.com. And we are so glad that all of our listeners could join us as well. We're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.